I've got a no-brainer on the Overwhelmed Brain. It's an entire month of free access to every course on the Great Courses Plus site. Head over to thegreatcoursesplus.com. That's four words, thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain and get your free month today. Make this your year to learn with purpose. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about in this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. So glad that you are here. I've got an interesting thing to bring up that um, I haven't seen in a while. It is an old email that I'm going to read through portions of it. uh, And it has to do with uh, taking responsibility. Taking responsibility in the sense that uh, when someone shows up in your life in any form and you see who they are and at that point, when you see who someone is, you make a decision on whether you want to stick around that person, if you want to be around that person. I'm talking about any capacity, romantic, platonic, family, friend. You make a decision when you see someone's true colors. At that point, if you choose to stick around, if you choose to hang around them, then you can no longer complain that's who they are and you want them to change. Of course you can complain. I won't stop you and no one will stop you, but if you complain about it and you're around someone that you know does this behavior, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're just putting yourself through your own suffering. Is this true in every circumstance in every situation? No. Sometimes you are stuck in a situation until things can change. Sometimes you commit to people that show their true colors and you feel stuck and you can't get out of that situation right away. Although you can get out of situations right away, it just may not be easy and you may end up on the street. That's not a pleasant alternative and I certainly don't recommend it. I do like the idea of planning an exit strategy if you're ever in a committed situation where somebody eventually shows their true colors and that can be a romantic relationship if you've moved in together if you got married if you had kids and you have a lot of attachments it can be difficult to get away from a situation like that after someone shows their true colors but before they do we should look for those warning signs right we should not deny them we should not be ignorant to them we should actually open our eyes And no matter how much we trust someone and believe in them and admire them and respect them or whatever 
it is that we feel about them, if it's all positive, no matter how good things seem to be, we still have to keep one eye open. That sounds like paranoia, and I don't mean it to be paranoia. I don't want it to be paranoia. I just want it to be a little watchdog in your soul or your psyche. I want it to be there to protect you at all costs. That is until you get to a point where there's no turning back and you're okay with that. Because once you're okay with no turning back, then you're probably okay with the relationship in whatever capacity it has developed into. This could be a business partnership. You could be in a business situation where you make an arrangement to work with someone to build a business together and then suddenly they turn on you or they are just a jerk and you're doing all the work and they're doing nothing or they're doing things that are actually detrimental to to the business. If you have that kind of commitment, that's a lot harder to get out of. But if you get to a point where they show up in enough capacity that the business is working out and you can be okay with it, then can you get to the point where you're not complaining about how they show up. I'm not necessarily talking about uh, business partnerships today. That is an entirely different ball of wax, and I don't really want to dig into that because that can be very sticky. If you've created a business partnership with somebody else, and then that somebody else just doesn't show up or is a jerk, and you have these contracts, and you can't get out of the contracts, or if you do, you lose your half of the business... That is very sticky, and attorneys might need to be involved when it comes to that. So don't ask me for that advice. I don't have that answer. If you go into a business partnership and then your business partner doesn't want to do the work that they promised, actually, I do have an answer for that. That all needs to be written up previous to your partnership. That all needs to be put into a contract so that you are both protected. That's my only business advice I'm going to give you. If it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. If it's not in a contract, it doesn't exist. And then you have the relationship contract. Relationship contracts, unless you're married, aren't on paper. When you are married, they are on paper, and they kind of lock you in, at least it feels that way, into a contract. And if you have religious beliefs, that locks you into a different sort of contract. So we have all these verbal contracts and written contracts, that we can get ourselves stuck in. And the, the younger you are, the more relevant this episode is. But this also is important to know, no matter what age you are, just in case these life lessons haven't hit you yet. The more preparation you do for an exit strategy before you get into a commitment, the better off you are. And that could just mean thinking about things. It could just mean writing a list of things that could go wrong, and if they do, what do I do then? I think that's a very good mindset to have. If things go wrong, what can I do then, or what should I do then? That way you know how you'll behave and how you'll respond if and when things do go wrong. When I was young, there was no tomorrow I lived for today. It's all wonderful living in the present moment (laughs) until the present moment turns into a nightmare. The nightmare could come tomorrow. It could come today. It could come in a year. We don't know. This is why when you start to get closer to someone romantically or get into any type of commitment with someone, 
uh, your friends and you move in together and now you're sharing a lease, it's important to prepare yourself if the friend decides not to pay, what are you going to do then? If the friend decides to leave, what are you going to do then? If the friend decides to bring in their uh, partner and they're not paying any extra, what are you going to do then? These are just preventative maintenance rules that you should set up in your life so that you know what you'll do when it happens. And of course, you can't prepare for everything. And sometimes you can't even think about what's going to happen because it's never happened to you before, so it doesn't even cross your mind. It's like not in there at all, so why would you even consider it? And some of what I'm saying is overkill. Some of what I'm saying is just too much. You can't prepare for every single event in life by preparing for every single event in life and hoping life works out. And I'm kind of a hypocrite (laughs) because I'm saying this from a place of someone who has always made a decision and moved forward with that decision regardless of having everything laid out. I know I'm a hypocrite in this area, but I'm telling you this because there's a certain way that I live my life that I'm okay when things don't work out. And you can be this way if you'd like or if you already are. I prefer to be this way in many cases where I move forward with a decision and I stick to that decision and I let it play out and see what happens. But I'm also okay if I make the wrong decision. Here's a good example. I moved down here to be with my girlfriend and instead of getting a different place, which I planned on, we decided to move in together. She said, why don't you just move in with me? It'd be a lot easier. And I thought, well, I thought we could just see each other. You know, we'd be living in separate places. So you'd have your place and I'd have my place. And I thought it would be easier for you. She goes, yeah, it just makes sense. You know, you save so much money. You just live here. It'd be a lot easier that way. This was unusual coming from her, she said, because, I mean, we talked about this later. She said that she would never have done that with almost anyone because she's not had good luck with that. (laughs) She's not had people actually leave when she tells them to leave. She's tried to break up with certain people in her life and they just wouldn't leave. So for her to allow me into her home, that was amazing and also uh, risky. And she knew it was risky, but she tempted fate and we got together and it all worked out. So that's a good thing. But for her to do that, it was a big risk for her. But I know her to be someone who has no problems honoring her boundaries and doing whatever it takes to get things done if need be. So if she decided to kick me out one day, she probably would have had no problem, I don't know, calling the police. I don't know exactly what she would have done. My point is I moved down to Georgia from New Hampshire and we decided to move in together and I knew that it might not work out even though I believed it would work out, even though I believed that I could absolutely handle anything that came my way. And if it went south, I could just move out. I could find another place. So I went forward and she went forward knowing that it might not work out. Also knowing that if it didn't, that each of us as individuals would be able to take the steps we needed to take in order to get out of the situation 
as unscathed as possible, hopefully. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but hopefully that's what the goal is. So I've lived my life making decisions, sticking to them, committing to them, following through with them, and then hoping they worked out. I think a lot of us do this. I don't think I'm talking to anyone that hasn't tried this, but I think there's a difference between those who do it and know that it may not work out and are okay with it. It may not be pleasant at the time, but they know they can get through it and continue on with their life without it being so affected that they feel depressed and can't eat. And you don't want to get to that point. You, you want to get to a point where if you fall, you can get back up. If you take a dive, your pool must have enough water so that when you dive, you swim instead of a splat. And I don't mean to put that in your head, but it's important that you have a strong foundation so that when you fall, you get back up and you know how to get back up and you have the strength to carry on even through the painful times. I think that's the most important lesson I've learned in my life as I've lived very present moment, very day to day to the point where I say, sure, I'll move in and not think ahead because I knew I had a solid foundation that if I fell, if something didn't work out, that I would be able to brush myself off heal my wounds and move on to the next phase of life. Not everyone can do that. Sometimes a fall is so devastating that you have a very difficult time getting back up if you get up at all. I mean, sometimes we just go into these depressed states and sometimes people can get suicidal. So I want to bring that up too as uncomfortable as a topic that might be to talk about. And I'm not going to talk about suicide today, but want to bring that bullet item of the things that can happen when we take a fall. You can take a hard fall and be quite miserable for a long time, but after the fall, there should be steps taken to get back up. You need to begin your forward momentum, no matter what. If someone in your life dies, it hurts and you need to grieve and it's going to take time. But even during the grieving process, there should still be steps that go toward the direction of healing. That could mean being outside and crying while staring at the trees. You're getting some fresh air. You're connecting with yourself. You're connecting with nature. You're connecting with the person who's passed. It's important that you do stay connected to yourself and stay grounded And don't lose yourself in so much misery or pain that that's all you know and that's all you feel. Even though you're allowed to feel this, you are absolutely allowed to grieve when someone you love dies or when you break up in a relationship or some other heartache in your life. You're absolutely allowed and you should take time to grieve. But in time, in a few weeks, maybe a couple months, you should start taking some steps toward a place that you feel better, that you will heal better, that you will see more light instead of dark. And sometimes that requires an inner strength that if you don't already have it, it is very difficult to attain. And this is what I'm talking about today is that inner strength, that inner responsibility to take care of yourself 
when things go south and don't rely on anything external that might prevent you from finding peace, comfort, and even happiness again. I know I'm a little all over the place right now, but I'm trying to bring it right back to a personal responsibility for moving forward and keeping the forward momentum in your life so that when the stuff hits the fan and you fall down, you can dust yourself off. And that dusting yourself off might take some time, but it has to happen. Because if you stay in that fallen place, if you stay down there and you never dust yourself off, then you know what happens. It's the depression, it's the suffering, and nobody wants to stay there. And the caveat to that is sometimes we do want to stay there. There are some of us, I've done this, that want to stay in that place because we don't want to accept what has happened. And also because if we are at all anything but miserable, we may think that we're not grieving enough. We may think that if we're happy that we didn't really love the person or we weren't as committed or whatever goes through your mind when you feel like you need to stay in a miserable place. It is all a mind trip that keeps you in a place that keeps you miserable and we want to get out of that place. And if you don't have a solid foundation so that when you fall you can get back up, it's a lot harder to get up. And this is, again, where personal responsibility comes in for the next step. What is your next step after you've fallen? I think that's a good question to ask yourself. That is part of the preventative maintenance process. Oh, no, I've fallen. What do I do now? Or what happens if I do fall? What's next? What would I go through? What would I think? What would be my next step? And you might have impossible scenarios, like if I fall and I have no money and I have no place to live, then I don't have a next step. Yeah, you probably do, but you don't like it. You just don't like that next step. When I was married and we fell, we fell into hard financial times. We lost the place we live. We lost our jobs. We lost a lot of money and we had like five bucks in our bank account. So we really had nowhere to go. But if I really believed that was the end of the line, then I would have become depressed. If I believed that's as low as it can get and there's no lower, so I might as well just give up, then I would have stayed down. We both would have stayed down. But instead of doing that, we looked for resources. We looked for help. And fortunately, we found a place that feeds us, the soup kitchen. And we found a place that gives us boxes of food. And we found someone to house us for a while, for a couple of years, actually. And we went through the process of being at the bottom. And when we were at the bottom, it taught us so much that when you fall, it doesn't mean you're broken It doesn't mean it's over. It's just another page in the story of life that sometimes happens to people. And as long as you're continually moving in the direction of healing and improving your life in any way possible, even though it might take a while, at least you're going in the right direction. That's important. Always try to go in the right direction. And I know a lot of this is common sense, and I know a lot of people don't need to hear this, but some people do. And some people need to be reminded of it. 
I need to be reminded of this every now and then. I stress over some stupid stuff sometimes. I stress and I can observe myself stressing and I can ask myself, is this really so much to stress about? Are you going to blow up if this doesn't work out? Are you going to melt? Are you going to be put in prison if this doesn't work out? I think most of our problems usually aren't that bad where we're just going to melt, even though it feels like it. But most of our problems usually aren't that bad. Some are. won't deny that, but I look at some of the stress that I've gone through in the past, I don't know, even year. Look at the past year of COVID and people losing jobs and we can't see our loved ones. There's a lot of stress, and because of that, some people may still be in that fallen place. And hopefully they have a solid foundation and they can get back up. But my point is, some of the stresses that we go through just aren't as massive as some of the things that are on the scale. COVID is massive and the unemployment rate is massive and there's a lot of people that are out of money and that's massive and they can't pay rent or mortgage, that's massive. Some of the stuff, yeah, it's very difficult. But some of the stuff isn't as massive and again, I have played victim to that, just like many of us, because we only know our own suffering and what we're suffering about means something to us and it may not mean something to somebody else. Our suffering may be oh no, I have a flat tire and I have to get to work and if I don't work today, I can't pay the rent and I can't pay food. That could be a real problem, but it is a manageable problem that will likely get fixed eventually, but you may lose some time and you probably won't starve because of that, but it may feel that way. As opposed to somebody who spills coffee on their shirt and their life is ruined. They look at the stain, I just got this shirt, it's brand new, my life is ruined, and uh, I'm going to be angry at my kids when I get home. That might be what they go through. That's their own suffering, and because we have our own suffering, not everyone's going to understand our suffering. The reason I said that is to give you a little break if you feel like you're in pain or suffering over the small things, it's because the meaning of those small things is important to you, but maybe not as important to someone else. I don't even know why I brought that up. (laughs) It's just something that came to mind as I was talking. But let me wrap this up. And when we come back, I'm going to read you that email regarding taking personal responsibility and give this person advice. I don't know if this person's actually going through the same thing they were back then because it's an older email. But I think the situation applies to a lot of circumstances and a lot of people's lives. And I think it's important enough to read today and maybe learn some lessons from it. I'll be right back after this. One of the online courses I'm taking right now is called The Psychology of Performance, How to Be Your Best in Life. And I took it because there was a lecture in the course called When Positive Thinking Doesn't Work. If you've been listening to me for a while, you probably remember me talking about positive thinking and how it can force us into denial and cause us not to take care of the problems in our life. I decided to watch the course and lecture number five is when positive thinking doesn't work and it says we've all heard it think positively you can do it 
But when it comes to your peak performance, is positive thinking a help or a hindrance? That's what I'm doing now. I'm just starting this course and looking forward to what else I has to talk about because so much of it is in alignment with what I believe and what I value. And you're going to find a lot of courses in the Great Courses Plus that line up with your values and also find stuff that you may not have even thought of taking. I mean, last week I talked about uh, woodworking and I never would have thought of taking a woodworking class, even though that would have excited me if somebody came up and said, hey, I have a woodworking class, you want to take it with me? Because I just didn't think about it being an online course. But when I found it and seeing the high quality videos and the course materials and everything that was laid out for me, I immediately got sucked in. And I think that's what you're going to experience as well if you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain and get an entire month of access to all their courses for free. Yes, for free. That means if you finish one or two or 10 courses within a month, you don't have to pay for a thing. So this is the time to learn with purpose because when we learn with purpose, we can do better. We can be better. Talk about building a solid foundation, just like I was talking about in the last segment. I mean, 2020 was full of challenges that made us change our whole way of life. But when you're challenged, you learn to survive. And as you learn new things, you thrive and strive to be better. And that's what I want for you. Get unlimited access to stream thousands of video and audio courses from top experts in their field. Check it out today. It's four words, thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. Get your free month. Put it on your phone. They've got a great app, and you can watch or even listen to any lecture on any device, anytime, anywhere. Thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain. I also want to mention something else that is going to help you build a strong emotional foundation, and that is BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about them before. BetterHelp is a fantastic professional counseling service that you can use online through a messaging system or on the phone or a video chat. When you sign up for BetterHelp, they assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you get to connect in a safe and private online environment. I've used their system. I vetted a few people on their system. I talked with their representatives. I wanted to make sure that what I was sharing with you was not only a legitimate service, but a good service. And I've even heard from listeners of this show that have used this service and they think it's great. So if you are feeling anything like I was just talking about depression, stress, if you're feeling anxiety or you're having problems with your relationship or any family conflicts, maybe you have LGBT matters or grief or self-esteem issues, go to BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash brain. And by doing so, you'll get 10% off your first month, and it is totally worth it. There are over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health at BetterHelp. And if you need to strengthen that emotional foundation, visit them today at betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. Welcome back. Like I said, I'm going to read you an email or at least portions of it. In fact, I have to be very careful which portions I read because uh, there's some language in here (laughs) that I need to keep out. Uh, But I'm just going to go ahead and read this. It's an interesting one. I think you'll be curious about it. This person wrote, an old friend reached out to me because he saw I was in a dark place and uh, he was also in a dark place when his wife left him. She says that he convinced me to listen to your show 
and get my uh, act together. He has awakened my soul. He's a great guy, but now he thinks he should be a jerk. He wants to show me that he doesn't care now. He came to my house and wasn't leaving until we had sex because he says it's been a while. I've fallen for him for many reasons, yet he is focusing on himself and rebuilding his life. However, he says he's honest, but sleeping with five different women now. No protection, and he takes his pick of the woman he wants that day. All of us want more than just sex, but I'm the only one that knows about this arrangement. The other women don't know what he's doing. He's stringing us all along. Five women are going to be mentally destroyed. A couple of them are going through a divorce. I don't know which of your podcasts he's listening to, but how is this behavior acceptable? So I'm back in this dark place, and he just ignores me and avoids me when he's with one of the other women. Mind you, he guilted me the night before to see him. We've known each other for many years, and we're now in our 40s. We laugh and communicate, and the sex is great. And then I leave the next day, and he's with someone else. Then I'm even more upset than I was before he reached out. But he says your podcast has helped him change. After his marriage, he was with women with red flags, but he didn't see them. So all these women hurt him, and now he has five amazing women, he says. But he's playing with all of us. Why do all of us have to be punished or played because of the other women that hurt him? It's been several days, and I still haven't heard from him. Now I'm in my head with personal issues, and now my heart is broken too. Can you help? Because he's feeling this is what you're guiding him to be like. Thank you. Okay, wow, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, let me address something right off the bat. (laughs) I've got seven years of material, and I don't think I've ever said you should date lots of people at the same time and not tell other people that you're dating those people. I don't think I've ever said that. So if that was the message he got, then what he might have been doing was something called confirmation bias, meaning he probably thought, I want to do something in my life that might be deceptive, that might be lying to other people. So what I'm going to do is look for information that supports my way of life instead of hearing all of the information that uh, tells me that maybe what this will cause is a lot of heartache. Because if all he's doing is justifying perhaps deceptive behavior, then he can listen to any podcast, he can watch any video, he can read the Bible and find justification for his behavior. So it's not always the content that leads someone to do something. It's someone's justification of certain parts of the content that can lead them to do something because of the confirmation bias that is going on. They are confirming their own bias. They are going in the direction that they want to go and all they need is someone to say, you can do it. Even though they're not talking about, you should date five women, not tell any of them about each other, not use protection, and you should also guilt them so that they'll have sex with you. I've said nothing of that sort, so I just want to make that clear, anyone listening. But I have talked about, in very, very brief instances, polygamous relationships or polyamory. Uh, It's not something I usually talk about. It is an acceptable form of relationship for some people. I don't practice it. I couldn't practice it. I don't really like sharing. (laughs) So that wouldn't be me, but I'm not here to denounce it. I'm not here to say it's a bad way of being. That type of relationship 
can work for all involved as long as all know about it. So one of the issues I have with his behavior is that he is not being forthcoming and honest, from what you tell me, with everyone except you. What that does is put the other people, maybe in harm's way because of disease or something like that, but also emotionally, because if they are falling for him, then it sounds like he's using them. So that's certainly something I would not endorse. And of course, guilting you, if he's guilting you to have sex or making you feel bad so that you'll comply with what he wants, that's emotionally abusive behavior. That is something that is not acceptable. I mean, I wouldn't accept that in my life. You shouldn't accept that in your life. If someone tries to guilt you into doing something, you are not being loved. You are being manipulated. Here's where I segue into personal responsibility. So again, I am so grateful you shared this with me. I know it's been tough. And I also want to help you stop this suffering. I hope you're not still dealing with this situation, but if you are or anyone else that's listening is dealing with something like this, there are a few things that are very important to understand. One is that when you know who someone is and how they show up in your life and what they're doing and you choose to continue seeing them, then you are putting yourself in your own suffering. Again, The caveat is I know sometimes we're stuck and we can't get out of certain commitments and things like that. But from what you just shared with me, your only commitment is the one you keep making to him when he has been honest with you. Now, these other women, they might be suffering from his dishonesty or they will suffer from his dishonesty. But you know exactly what he's doing. If he's learned anything from my show, at least he's being honest with you and telling you what kind of relationships he wants. And the kind of relationships he wants doesn't sound like it lines up with your values. So if you are pursuing someone who has different values than you, then you are placing yourself in a situation that you will be emotionally harmed. It may look like he is the one harming you, and in some ways he is. Guilting, very bad. If he's making you feel bad for any reason, that's emotional abuse. If he's purposely making you feel bad to get his way to control you, to have sex, whatever it is, that's emotional abuse. He should not be doing that. And then on the flip side, if he's being honest, saying, this is the kind of life I want to live, these are all the people that I want to be with, and I want to be with you too, then he has shown you his true colors. As much as you don't want to hear it, as much as you want to be the only one, he has shown you his true colors. This is the person he is being and will be indefinitely. He could change in the future. He could change his mind and say, I want to be with one person, and that could be you or maybe not. But today, this is how he's showing up, which puts all of the responsibility, because you have all the facts now. It puts all of the responsibility for your next step on you. I know that might sound overwhelming. That might sound stressful. But what more can you ask for from someone who tells you exactly how they're going to show up in your life? That is the epitome of honesty. Again, I'm only being lenient on him in this one case. With the other women, 
if he's not telling them the truth and they're falling for him and he's not being honest about it, he needs to be straight up. He needs to be straightforward with them and tell them, this is the kind of life I like to live. And if you'd like to be a part of it, I'd like you in my life. If you don't want to be a part of it, I completely understand. That would be an honest thing to do. That would be a noble thing to do. Somebody with integrity is going to tell you who they are, how they show up. Somebody without integrity is going to show up like the way you explained. Except with you. This guy is actually showing up with integrity with you. That doesn't mean I think he's a good catch. (laughs) I'm, I'm not saying that he's a good catch for you because your values probably say that you'd prefer monogamy. You'd prefer a monogamous relationship with someone who wants you and only you. But he's clearly telling you he wants more than just you. And I tell you what, some people who are polyamorous love each and every person just the same. I'm not saying this is the guy. I'm not saying that's who he is. I don't know him at all, only from what you explained. All I'm saying is that some people can do that type of relationship and love each partner the same The way you explained it, it sounds like this is more of a, I want to be sexually free and have these women in my life, and when I want someone in particular, I want to visit that person. If those other women knew about it, and they knew that he was gallivanting around with other women too, they could choose to be okay with it or not. That means they have a choice. Those women right now don't sound like they have a choice. But you do. And I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, but I love him. He's such a great guy in so many other ways. That could all be true. And can you accept him for who he is and the decisions he makes today? Can you accept his behavior? Can you accept his relationship choices? Because if you can't, then what you're saying is, I want him to show up in a way that suits me and not him. And what that is, is trying to change someone from who they are into who you want them to be. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I'm not blaming you. I'm not putting the fault on you. I'm not saying you're wrong or bad. I'm just saying that sometimes we make choices where we haven't connected the dots that our own choices are causing our own suffering. Let me give you a good example. From my own life, when I was married... I made a choice to be with someone whose behavior I completely rejected. I didn't like it. In fact, I hated it. I wish she didn't do that behavior. But I still made the choice to be with her, and I made her life miserable. This is before I knew I was emotionally abusive, before I did any healing. I made her life miserable by guilting her, by giving her the silent treatment, by making her feel bad about herself because I didn't like the way she was living. I didn't like the choices she was making. And I believed that she needed to change for me in order for us to be happy. That is one of the worst steps you can take in a relationship, is to not only expect someone to change for you, but do things in a way that makes them feel bad so that they will change for you. Because what that does is it creates a giant rift that gets bigger and bigger between the both of you. You have a choice to accept someone for who they are and the decisions they make, even though you may disagree with them. For me, I made the commitment that I was going to be with this person, I was going to stay with this person, 
but I also believed I could change this person. And that belief caused me to suffer. I believed that I could change her so that we could be happy, but what ended up happening is that my efforts to change her kept me in love with her and caused her to distance herself from me, eroding love like rust on metal. It just every day the metal got rustier and rustier until it was so flimsy it, it would just crumble in your hands. That's what happened inside of her. She kept becoming more and more distant and the love was corroding more and more until the point where she just closed herself up to me and shut down. And I didn't even realize this was happening because I was so focused on changing her and being in love with her, but in an unhealthy way because I was trying to change her, that my senses were down. I couldn't see that her unhappiness was caused by me. What you said in your email was that he is now ignoring you. It's been days you haven't heard from him and your heart is broken, it's very likely because you have chosen not to accept that's who he is. And again, I'm not giving him a free pass. I'm just helping you strengthen your own boundaries so you can honor them and get into alignment with your own values and make sure that you choose people that are choosing you, that value you, and have similar values as you so that you aren't pursuing people that are unavailable. Again, the younger you are, the more important this is. If you choose people that are unavailable, then you are choosing to suffer. And I know it's hard when you fall in love with someone and you have so many good feelings about them and you just want them to be with you and they don't want to be with you, at least in the way you want a relationship then there has to be a level of acceptance in you that allows them to be who they are and you give yourself a break to get out of a situation that appears to be futile. And pursuing certain people that are not in alignment with you and what you want for a relationship is an exercise in futility and creates your own suffering. And we haven't even addressed the self-worth issues and the self-esteem issues that I realize you probably are experiencing because if they don't love me, what does that make me? You have to be very careful using a single person as your only source of self-worth and importance because that is intrinsic. You are worthy. You are important. You are amazing in so many ways and you should not validate that from outside yourself even though most of us do it. I still do it. But you should not make one person a source of that because so many people think you're valuable and worthy and important. So many people do. It's just that sometimes we get stuck choosing the wrong person to do that for us and they may value us in their own way, but those values don't line up. And if those values don't line up, we might take it personally. Well, why don't you want just me? Why do you want these other women too? That's probably what you're thinking. Why aren't I enough? You are enough for a billion other people. You're just choosing this person who wants a different lifestyle. And the difficulty for you seems to be accepting that some people will not want the lifestyle that you want. It doesn't necessarily make them bad people. It just makes them different. 
And as much as we want people to align with our values, especially those that we are in love with or want a relationship with, some people won't. It's just like I told you when I moved to Georgia to be with my girlfriend and we moved in together, we realized there might be some value misalignment somewhere. There might be something that maybe we don't agree on everything about. For example, how to stack the dishwasher. (laughs) We may not agree on that, but we've come to terms with each other that she's a perfectionist and I just put everything in and hope it gets clean. I've gotten better, but there are things like that that can get in the way of complete and total bliss all the time. But those are minor. Those are minor values that it would be nice if we were aligned there, but we're not. So we come to terms with it, we get past it, and we move on. It's not a hidden resentment that one of us is holding. We just move on because it's not that important. But when it comes to the deeper core level values and the things that really make us feel connected and loved and loving with someone else, if those aren't in alignment, then we have to admit to ourselves that maybe we're pursuing the wrong person and we're on the wrong course. And like I was saying in the last segment, this is why it's important to prepare yourself for things that may not work out. I mean, if you want to do some preventative maintenance so you never get into a situation like this, the kinds of conversations that you have to have with someone, if you're dealing with a romantic relationship, for example, have to include the questions that maybe you don't want the answers to. And what I mean by that is sometimes we start falling in love with someone and then maybe we want an exclusive relationship where it's just us. But you might be afraid to ask because maybe you knew they were dating other people, but you have to know. That might be a question that comes up. You know, we're getting along great. I'm really digging you, and I'd really like to find out where this relationship is going. Are you digging me? Do you see this going in the right direction? And if they say, oh, yeah, this is great, then you can say, well, I I would love to be exclusive if you would. And they're either going to say yes or no. But that is one of the many great questions to ask so that you can set up a foundation of a relationship way ahead of time. Because you don't want to find this stuff out later. And I know what you're saying in your email. You said that he started listening to your show and now he's this new guy. And a lot of it you don't like. That could be. In fact, this could be who he's always been but has been restricting himself from being. I teach authenticity on this show. If that's who he's always been and he's been miserable and now he's happy... That might be what he got from my show. He also needs to be honest. I think in order to live authentically, you have to be honest. So he didn't get the lying to the other women from my show, but it sounds like he's exploring who he wants to be in his life and experiencing life and relationships the way he feels makes him happiest. And again, if you're honest with everyone involved and everyone's okay with it, That might be the lifestyle that he chooses to live from this point forward. Or, like I said, maybe he can settle down one day and and it'll all work out. But if this is what makes him happy and he's being honest with you, then he has given you the choice to be with him as he is or not be with him. But I also want to highlight that you now have a choice now that everything is on the table. 
All the facts are there. You have them. You have free access to them. Nothing is hidden. It's all out there. And you have a choice to make. And your choice, I believe, has to be based on what you value in a relationship. And if you value monogamy and your partner not seeing other people, then no matter who it is, you should only pursue people that have those same values. And when you do that, that's where happiness lies. That's where comfort and peace lie because you can stop hoping and wishing and praying that someone else will change because you're not pursuing someone that you want to change. You would only pursue people that are in alignment with what you believe and what you want for your life. I know that doesn't make it easier. I know that when you're in love, you want that person. So that's why it's important that you work on your self-worth, your self-esteem, and nurture yourself. I want you to do this. I want you to go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com, type in the word worth in the search field, and a bunch of articles will come up. Type in the word esteem, and some articles will come up. Type in the word nurture. There's an article I wrote on self-nurturing. All of these should probably be your first step. Your self-esteem stems from how worthy you felt as a child. And when you didn't feel worthy as a child, you seek that worth from other people. That's a huge generalization, I know, but that's one way this happens, is that we don't feel enough worth or importance or value from our caretakers growing up So we end up seeking our worth and our value from others, trying to fill the void that is there. And when we can't fill it, we keep seeking it from certain people. And then we have these momentary highs where we feel valuable, we feel worthy from that person. But then they go off and do their own thing and suddenly we lose it again because we're using them as the source instead of ourselves. And we didn't get the worth that we wanted to get from childhood. Again, it's a generalization. There are other things involved, but that happens a lot. You didn't feel worthy from a parent or a guardian or some caretaker or a brother or a sister, and now you have this void in your life, and you're always trying to fill that void with someone else, and that is dysfunctional. That is how we get into relationships that fail. They keep failing because we keep trying to fill voids in our life that we haven't self-fulfilled. Why do we have to self-fulfill? Because we have to learn it from within. We have to fill it from within so that we bring our best version of ourselves, the most loved version of ourselves, the most nurtured version of ourselves into any relationship. If we bring the self that has these holes or these voids in it, then what we're doing is trying to fill those voids using other people. I don't want to say using, but you know what I mean. You, you need other people in your life to fill a void in you instead of sharing the best version of you, the worthy version of you, knowing your own worth, knowing what you deserve, and bringing that person into a relationship so that when you don't get what you know you deserve, you can say goodbye to them. You can say, your values don't line up with mine. You have a life that I can't agree with, and I'm going to move on because I love myself and I respect myself not to stick around in a situation like that. I don't want to be exposed to that because I don't believe in that lifestyle. So, goodbye. Have a great life. If you ever change your mind, look me up. I'm throwing you a little bit of tough love because 
I care about you. I want you to find the light without seeking it from other people that may not have your best interests in mind or may not line up with what you need for you in your life. You are worthy. You are important. You deserve the best relationship ever. And you don't deserve to be treated like this by anyone, which is why you need to respect you, you need to love you, and you, you need to nurture you into an emotionally healthy place so that you don't get stuck with some loser. <laughs> and I'm not saying that he's a loser or not. I think he's got some of it right, but the rest of it wrong. So in that sense, he might be doing some loser stuff. He needs to fix that. He needs to work on that. But because he's bringing you the most transparent version of himself, that puts it all back on you on what steps you want to take next for you. You may not like what he does. You may not accept what he does. But at least it's all on the table for you to sort through and make a decision. So I hope this helps you. Thank you so much for writing. I care about you. I want you to be okay. I want you to get out of that dark place and into a lighter place so that you don't have to worry about this, so that it's not on your mind all the time, you're not stressed about it. I want you to get past that and live a life of your choosing. I appreciate you. Thank you again for writing that, and thank you for joining me today. We'll be right back with my thank yous and goodbyes and probably one final question during the outro of the show right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank the two important sponsors of today's show. Both of them I highly recommend. Both of them I use and The Great Courses Plus I continue to use. I'm totally digging it. I want to thank BetterHelp. Head over to betterhelp.com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month. And of course, I want to thank The Great Courses Plus. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com forward slash brain and get an entire month of every course available Take advantage of it while they're offering this. It's totally worth it and you're going to love it. I also want to thank the patrons of the week, the financial backers of this show. I like to thank them every week. The patrons this week are Ron, Elaine, Crystal, Brian, Kim, Robert, David, Daisy, Julie, Deborah, Stephen, and Michelle. All of these names, like I said last week, I just want to stop and say, hey, how you doing? Great to see you again, Stephen and Michelle. <laughs> I want to say all of that, but just know I feel grateful for you and I appreciate you. Thank you for your support. And of course, I want to thank Anna. Anna joined recently and decided to uh, give a monthly donation uh, without joining the patron program, which is fine. You can do it either way over at moretob.com. Thank you so much, Anna. I am grateful for you. And if you find value in this show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com. And of course, if you join the patron program, I give back. There are at least 100 private episodes in there. There are video archive. There's a bunch of worksheets and workbooks, and I think you'll dig. And so I still try to give more than what I do on this show as well. There's quite a bit in there too if you're interested. Or you can just join the patron program and not look at anything I offer over there. Some people do. <laughs> Some people don't look at anything. They just join and they're getting value from the show and they want to give back. And either way, I'm super grateful, but it's all there if you want it. And I want to mention the Love and Abuse podcast. Talk about emotional abuse I was mentioning earlier. Love and Abuse is the podcast that I have been doing since February of 2019. 
It is all about control and manipulation and, of course, emotional abuse. And emotional abuse is made up of a lot of things like uh, psychological abuse, verbal abuse, um, narcissistic abuse, and um, anything that really causes someone to feel bad and especially feel bad about themselves. If you are dealing with anyone that makes you feel bad or bad about yourself, especially, head over to loveandabuse.com. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And I told you I was going to read one final email. This is a short one, but um, it's an interesting one because I've never had this type of question before. And this person says, my uh, boyfriend is an actor. And when he does love scenes, I get a little jealous. And I'm not sure what to do with that because I'm not really a jealous person. So... uh, do you have any advice for me? <laughs> I really summarized her email, so I, I apologize if I missed some stuff there. But that's a great question. Not everyone's going to relate because not everyone uh, is dating an actor. So uh, that is something unique probably to certain people that are listening. But there are actors that listen to this show, and they probably know exactly what you mean. And certainly it's a valid question because there are occupations out there where your partner, your spouse is going to be in situations with someone that might be attractive to them or attracted to them. And those occupations might bring them very close to these people. And some occupations require kissing, like acting. Some occupations, like you said in your email, require love scenes. And that's a really tough situation to be in because you don't want your partner kissing other people, yet their job requires them to kiss other people. You don't want your partner having fake love scenes, yet their job requires them getting naked and being together, and that might be a problem. I get it, and I don't know how I'd feel about it. I think I might have a problem with it myself. This is why it takes um, a very special person to date an actor, because it requires the person that's dating them to understand that this will happen. And you may or may not be that type of person. It certainly, I'm sure, goes against your relationship values. You certainly don't want them kissing anyone else. So I get where you're at. And let me just give you my take. I don't know if I have the answer for you. I do have a take on it. I do have an opinion on it. And maybe this opinion will help or not. But if it doesn't, then listen to my episodes on jealousy and maybe look up online how do... Uh, partners of actors deal with love scenes. Um, There might be a support group (laughs) out there. I don't know. But maybe I'll just share with you uh, my thoughts on it. My first thought is this is probably why actors date actors. If you're not an actor, then you probably won't like the idea that they're with other people in that close proximity. Uh, You send your email that it's just acting. It's nothing to be worried about. But at the same time, they have to get into character and you wonder what are they thinking are they thinking of me when they're kissing that person or are they really in the moment and maybe they should be in the moment to make it more convincing totally understandable all the thoughts that are going through your head aside from any insecurities that might go through your head and you didn't really say this but maybe something else might go well that person has a better body than I have and that person seems to enjoy what he's doing to her and Whatever's going through your head, I I totally understand. And it's completely logical. I mean, you're having rational thoughts. I mean, they really are kissing. They really are touching each other. And 
that is a very rational thought. We don't want the person we love, if we're monogamous and we, we don't want to share our partners like I don't want to share my girlfriend, then it's a very rational thought to think that's not good. But is it a threat? And this is my first thought. Is it a threat? Is that person a threat? Is there actual sex going on? Yes, there's kissing. And some people will say, well, sex consists of kissing and touching and all of that stuff. And if you don't have the final act, then that doesn't mean it wasn't sex. And is it all real? Is there an emotional connection? Some of it may be real in the physical sense. And sometimes the emotional connection is not there. And sometimes it is. But still, I would ask, is that person a threat? Meaning, are they constantly now texting your boyfriend? And are they constantly going to lunch together? Are they... Uh, sneaking in phone calls. Is that happening? If that's happening, then I believe there would be some more concern unless they really are talking about work and they always have to get together and they're working with each other 12 to 16 hours a day, which sometimes happens with acting. But I would look for those other signs and discuss those other signs definitely because now you may feel more of a threat because when he used to come to you for love and support and emotional connection if he's getting it from her we might have an issue we have to talk about it might not be a problem but there might be an issue so you want to bring that up you might be able to get past just the physical scenes but if there's more emotional connection and he seems to be gravitating toward this person more often than not and you're getting a feel that it might be a little inappropriate then you have every right to say something that's my first thought on this is that you have every right to bring up the other stuff aside from the physical scene or act that you know is happening. It's the emotional connection. Once that emotional connection happens, then there might be something to think about. I'm not saying you have to worry about it and maybe they're best friends, but it's no threat. So I, I like to assess the threat. What actually qualifies as a threat? Is this other person single? Are they happily married? What else is in there? You just want to put all the criteria together and figure out, is this really a threat? And if it is, then it needs to be addressed. And if it's not addressed, you don't want to keep it inside you. You do want to be honest about it and say, look, I'm having a problem with this, not because you kissed her or not because you had a fake love scene. It's because you're texting each other at midnight. That's a problem for me. So hopefully that's not happening. I didn't get that from your letter and hopefully that's not happening. But that would be my first step is to assess if it's a threat. If this person's not a threat and they're an actor too and they take their job professionally and they're not talking about the love scene all the time or you know, getting these weird vibes from each other when you're around them, then you probably have nothing to worry about. Easy for me to say, I know, but I'm just throwing that out there. If there's no other weird vibes when you're together and they really do take it professionally, then maybe you can learn to get past that. That might be one way to look at it. But if you can't get past just the physical act, and nothing with the emotional, just the physical act, I guess my second suggestion or piece of advice you might not even be able to do, which is take some acting classes. That's probably impractical. It's probably not something you want to do, but it might help you understand a role when there are three or four cameras on you and 12 people in a studio all staring at you, expecting you to act like you're enjoying a love scene. 
I mean, this is what happens. Some actors get really nervous in scenes like this. Some don't, but some do. And it's because everyone's watching and you're expected to act a certain way. So it might be helpful to take some acting classes and get into these roles and figure out what's going through his mind so that you get an understanding of what it's like to be in the spotlight and do what actors do. Or not. Like I said, it could be impractical. You may not have time to do that. It may not be available where you are. I don't know. But if it helped to improve your relationship, it might be worth pursuing. Even watching videos online or, like I said earlier, just looking for people in your position where their partner is an actor and they have to suffer through these love scenes. What do you do with that? So those are the two things that I have to say about your situation. They are not really answers. They are just a perspective. You did say something else in your email, which is he loves what he does. It's his life. So talk about accepting someone for who they are, supporting their path to happiness, which is my definition of love, when you support someone's path to happiness. I highly recommend that if you have a problem with him being in love scenes, that you do not make it his problem. I think you know this, but I'm going to throw that out there. Do not make your problem with his love scenes his problem. Because if he starts feeling weird about it and he can't fulfill his purpose as an actor in that role, then that throws a wrench in it because now he can't show up authentically and get into the role and get into the part. And that's even tough for me to say because I feel for you. I know what you're going through. I at least think I know what you're going through. It'd be very difficult to see my girlfriend with someone else. But again, I would also assess for any threats, and threat's a strong word, but is this a threat to my relationship in the sense that this person could become his girlfriend or his new partner or whatever? And if that's the case, I would want to put everything on the table and just talk about everything that you feel and just put it out there. At the same time, supporting him, saying, look, this is my issue. I don't want to make it your issue. This is my issue. And I know you're an actor and I will always support that. I feel uncomfortable. In fact, you can ask him, help me out here. How would you feel if you saw me doing this, you know, acting? What goes through your mind? And don't say it in an accusatory way like, well, how would you feel? Just say it in a nice way. Ask the question, you know, what would you do if I was the actor and you were in my shoes? How would you process this? How would you get through it? How would you come to an acceptance with it? Because I want to come to an acceptance with it. I love you and I want to support you and I don't want to be a hindrance and I don't want you to be any less than who you are and I want you to follow this through and become rich and famous, whatever his goals are, and see what he says. He may tell you exactly what would go through his head, but at least he would try it on and get an understanding for it. And maybe his understanding of what you would go through would be some sort of uh, small reprieve for you. So I'm going to leave this here. I know that's a, that's a tough situation. I totally get it. It's one thing if they did acting in the past and they don't do that anymore, but this is an active thing they are continuing to do. There will probably be other scenes, but I totally understand the difficulty in trying to get into a mindset where you can be totally accepting of someone else touching and kissing the person you love. 
if anything, this reminds me of uh, a movie with uh, Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor. I think it's something about Philip Morris or who is Philip Morris. I know people are yelling at their podcast players. No, it's this movie. Well, I saw this movie where Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor were in a jail cell and uh, Ewan McGregor was the new guy. And um, Jim Carrey said, you know, when you're here, you're going to have to do certain things with men to get what you want. He said something like that. And Ewan McGregor says, well, that's okay because I'm gay. And he goes, oh, okay, well, that makes it easier. And then they start making out. I mean, literally, these guys, <laughs> they were making out. And I don't think either one of them is gay. Um, I don't know if any of, if either are bisexual or even enjoyed the scene. I should look it up to find out what they thought about that scene. But I do know that they were full contact for quite a long time for two people who I don't believe were gay, which means... They have to be really good actors in order to get through a moment like that where it might make them uncomfortable. So I don't know if that helps you, but I see a scene like that and I realize, well, if they aren't gay and they have no attraction to each other, then it's probably really good acting and that's what actors do. They just get into that role, they do their thing, and then they move on. I'm sure they didn't text each other late at night and say how wonderful it was. They probably just moved on and realized, okay, I'm glad that scene's over and let's move on because that was a scene. I don't know if that helps you at all, <laughs> but it just reminds me of that scene. They've, there are people out there that are kissing people they don't want to kiss. And then there are people out there that they feel better kissing and I'd rather kiss that person than the other person and so on and so forth. So. I hope you get something from my perspective and uh, I wish you much strength through this. I appreciate your writing in. And with that, just keep an open mind so that you can step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. <laughs>